Uh, so thanks very much for having me. Um, I want to talk to you today about how to innovate on purpose. Uh, and by on purpose, I mean not by accident or not when you're drunk or not because you just can't help innovating, but actually set about to innovate and then go and do that. Um, I think this is really important for entrepreneurship, obviously, because most good companies start with a good idea. It's also relevant, though, if you're starting a nonprofit or even just a project. Um, innovation just sort of sits at the forefront of a lot of what we do. So there's two standard models that people use to think about innovation. The first is the innovative genius, Einstein being the, the classical example. Um, he's so smart, he thinks so hard, he just, innovations just pop out of his mind. Um, the second standard model for innovation is that it occurs by just random luck. Uh, you're sitting in the bathtub one day, uh, a wonderful idea pops into your head. If you hadn't been in the bathtub at that moment, maybe you would have never had that idea. Uh, maybe, uh, if you, maybe that's the only innovative idea that you'll ever really have in your life. But just because of that chance moment, you, you, know, you win fame and fortune. And there's certainly something to these ideas. So consider Einstein. Um, he laid the groundwork for, in a series of papers for the photoelectric effect, Brownian motion, special relativity, the equivalence between energy and matter. And he did all of this in one year. And he did it when he was 26 years old. You know, there's clearly something special about Einstein. The, there, and, and so basically this model of a genius, this framework of thinking about innovation, there's something to it, but the problem is it's completely useless. Like, we don't know how to be Einstein, so it just doesn't tell us very much. So there certainly are people like Einstein, but, you know, okay, but it doesn't help us very much. The second framework, there's also something to that. Um, so this is a picture of a Lorentz attractor. Lorentz did a bunch of work on chaos theory. One of his breakthroughs in chaos theory came about because he accidentally typed numbers into his computer using three-digit accuracy instead of six. And in his weather simulations, it produced totally different results, and he was completely baffled by this. And that led to a major breakthrough in chaos theory. So this does happen. We're just complete fluke chance. Um, but again, this is a problematic framework because it tells us absolutely nothing about how we can be innovative, other than taking a lot of baths. OK, so what about for the rest of us? You know, how are we going to innovate? Um, well, there's a major dilemma with trying to innovate. There's a fundamental problem, which is that everyone's trying to do it, and there are very few good ideas that get produced. So why should you think that you're going to be the one in this incredibly competitive landscape who's actually going to produce some kind of innovation? Well, that is a really small slide. OK, well, that's not what my slide says, but uh, that's OK. Um, I can work with this. So suppose that your idea is simultaneously possible, so like it could actually be implemented. It's discoverable, so like you actually could think of it. It's smart, and it's big. Well, the problem is that almost certainly someone else is already doing this idea. I mean, there's all of these people looking for ideas. If it has all of those traits, then why would you expect it not to be done? So this is actually not a problem, though, because all you have to do is you just come up with an impossible idea. If you come up with an impossible idea, nobody else can do it, so you're good to go. Or you could come up with an undiscoverable one, because then nobody else could possibly discover it. Or maybe a stupid idea, because nobody else would, would actually want to do this idea. Or a tiny one, because then nobody else cares. So this is my solution for you. Of course, you don't actually want an impossible or undiscoverable or stupid or tiny idea. So how about an almost impossible idea or an almost undiscoverable, stupid, tiny idea? And this actually leads to four frameworks for thinking about innovation. The first framework is coming up with an idea that's impossible until now. The second is to come up with an idea that's undiscoverable to others. 
The third is to come up with something really stupid sounding. And the fourth is to come up with something that's tiny at first. Now, the thing is, all innovation is hard. I'm not going to say that these frameworks make it easy to innovate. But with the way that they differ from, these, the, from the standard ways of thinking about innovation, the genius or random luck, is that they actually give you action steps, which you can see scrolling off the side of this, the slide right there. Uh, they actually give you action steps uh, to, get for, to move forward with innovation. And that's, that's really useful. Actually having a step you can start to take to begin to innovate is, is valuable. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through these four frameworks. And after I introduce each framework, I'm going to give you an example of how it's been used. And then I'm going to actually tell you two action steps you could take if you actually wanted to start using it. All right, so the first framework is the impossible until now framework. So imagine that these two circles together represent all the things you can possibly do with today's technology. The circle on the left is what's actually being done today with today's technology. And that sliver on the right is what it's possible to do, but is not being done yet because people haven't gotten around to it. Now, if you think about it, as new technology comes out, there's this lag time between when it comes out and when it starts getting used for all these different purposes. The lag time could be three months if it's a highly competitive market and lots of people are working on the technology, or it could be six years if it's not very well known, hard to understand. And that creates a huge set of opportunities to start applying this technology in new ways. And actually, this, is, this approach to innovation is used by some tech incubators where they look for ideas that's, that are recently possible ideas. Um, you could also, if you're a technologist, be right at the bleeding edge and actually create this sliver. Maybe there's something that can't be done now, but you think it could be done in a year if you work really hard at it, and you create that sliver of possibility. So you don't have to build the idea from scratch, but you can get it to that next stage. All right, so what's an example? Uh, probably the best example of this I can think of is machine learning applied to anything. Uh, so you could apply it to sales, cars, music, news, faces. And for those of you who don't know, machine learning is a set of technologies uh, around how do you make accurate predictions from data. So what happens when you do that? You get all these different companies. You get Lattice Engines. You get Google self-driving cars. You get Echo Nest, et cetera, et cetera. And these are not easy things to build. It's not like, oh, just machine learning applied to sales. Boom, we've got a company. But that's... But that is sort of the innovative piece is, OK, well, what if we could apply machine learning to sales? Now let's spend a long time figuring out how you actually do that successfully, which is a big undertaking. But at least you figured out what you're doing. You've got the innovation pieces there. And now you've got a lot of work to do. OK, so if you want to actually do an idea that's impossible until now, there's two simple steps. First step is learn a, a promising new technology really well. And you really have to understand this technology, because if you only know it a little well, you're going to misunderstand how hard it is to work with, or what you can really do with it, or how long it will take you. So you learn it really well, and then you ask yourself the question, what industries has this not been applied to? And you start looking around, and that might actually lead to some new innovation. Okay, second framework, ideas that are undiscoverable to others. So suppose that you know this thing X, and this thing X, it's not that nobody knows it, about 1 in 80,000 people in the world know it. And you also know this thing Y, and about 1 in 80,000 people know Y. But the thing about X and Y is that knowing one doesn't make you more likely to know the other. They're two completely unrelated things. Now, suppose that there was a business that you could only start, or you could only execute really well if you knew X and Y. Well, how many people on Earth know X and Y? Well, if you take those numbers and you think about how many people are on Earth, it comes out to about one person knows X and Y. And that person might be you. So it's not that you're a great genius. It's that you know these two things that are rarely known. And then by combining them together, you're the only person that knows them. But you don't have to be the only person. 
It could be that instead of one in 80,000, it's one in 8,000. Um, then there'd be 100 people that know the thing. And that's actually okay too, because out of 100 people, chances are few of them have started a startup. And if they did, they probably didn't start this particular startup. They combined X and Y. So there's probably nobody doing it still. So you, you don't have to be you know, the only person in the world. So here's a nice example. I know someone who has a great deal of knowledge about programming language design. They have a great deal of knowledge about cloud computing. They put these two ideas together. They built a new programming language specifically for cloud computing that automatically parallelizes certain calculations. Pretty amazing stuff. Very cool idea. Not a lot of people who could do that or even would have that idea, but this person was in the right place. You know, they had that, those two pieces of knowledge that they could combine. So how do you go about creating an idea that's undiscoverable to others? Well, step one, you pick two unrelated topics that you know a lot of things about. Uh, step two, you ask, what does combining them make possible? Now, I actually once wrote a little program where I entered in all of the things that I think I know a lot about, and I had it randomly generate pairs, and just went through them all just to see you know, what kinds of combinations could I make. All right, so this is framework number three, and this is popularized by Peter Thiel. And so the circle on the left are things that seem like a bad idea, and the circle on the right are things that seem like a good idea, or sorry, the things that are a good idea. And notice there's not very much overlap between them, but the overlap is the area where things seem like a bad idea, but are actually a good idea. Now you could ask, well, okay, well, how is it that you could know it's a good idea if it seems like a bad idea? And the answer is you know some secret. So you know some fundamental truth about the world that very few people know that make this, bad, this thing that looks like a bad idea actually seem like a good idea because it actually is a good idea. Um, and so a possible example of this is hey, I know, let's have anonymous random people argue to decide the facts on every topic, and then let's have everyone trust this information. That's a great idea, right? And that's what gave us Wikipedia. <laughs> I think very few people would think Wikipedia would be a success a priori. And I think even for years afterwards, people were saying, there's no way this is going to work, this is going to be a disaster, even if it was already working. Um, I don't know whether Jimmy Wales knew in advance, whether he knew this about the world, that you could, out of this chaos of people arguing with each other, anonymously, you could somehow create this wonderful thing. Um, but he, he, ha he did have the idea to do it. If he had kind of figured out this truth about the world, that would have made it a lot easier for him to come up with the idea of Wikipedia. Um, so I think that that's a potentially nice example. And if you want to do something that's stupid sounding, you could ask yourself first, step one, what's an important truth that you know that very few people know? And second, you could say, well, what seems dumb unless you know this truth? And that will put you if, if you're right, you'll put you right at that intersection of things that seem dumb but are actually good ideas. Okay, framework number four. This is to do things that are tiny at first. And this is actually a framework that kind of comes from the lean startup model of doing companies. And I know a lot of companies that do this kind of thing. So uh, this red circle is things people care about. And the, the first green circle is things weird people like you care about. And the other green circle is things left-handed skateboarding mimes really care about. And so the idea here is that rather than actually trying to solve, to really innovate by solving some big problem, you just solve like the problem that you and your friends have or the problem that left-handed skateboarding mimes have. And you hope then that they're, through that, you can actually get to a bigger problem. So by solving that little problem, that you can kind of follow that path. Let's see, I have a slide here. Oh, oh bad. Okay. Never mind. Um, so you hope, you hope that basically that eventually gets you to where you want to go. And so here's a little example. You say to yourself, hmm, people can't really easily find Bay Area events. I guess I'm going to create an email list so that my friends know the event's going on. 
And then you say, hmm, this seems to be taking off. I guess I should let other people post their events to it also. Uh, and then you get Craigslist. Uh, Craig never set about to create some massive website that's incredibly successful. He just set about to help his friends find out about Bay Area events. And he followed this trail that took him to Craigslist. Um, so if you actually wanted to do this, if you want to follow this framework, you start with step one, um, which is that you just look for a problem that a small group of people that you understand well have. And what's nice about that is you understand these people well, so you really know what problems they have, and you hopefully can actually figure out how to solve them. And if it's you who has a problem, it's even better because you can just see if you solved it. Um, and then you slowly expand the features for a larger and larger group. Now, of course, this may or may not work. It could be that this small problem just doesn't really generalize, or there's no nice way to keep expanding it, making it bigger and bigger. But it's, a, it's an idea. It's a way to start at innovation. Um, and so one way you can think about this is sort of you follow this trail of breadcrumbs. So you know, you've got this breadcrumb right in front of you, and you just pick it up, and oh, there's another one. You pick that up, and you're really not sure whether ultimately it will lead you to fame and fortune or to a giant gingerbread house where a witch lives. But either way, you know, it's, it's one road to go down. All right, so I just want to remind you that, so I'm talking about innovation, but innovation is really just the first step here. You know, you need an, a great idea to do something great, um, but then there's all these other pieces, and if you don't get them right, well, then ideas are worth nothing. And I think this is part of why a lot of people think ideas aren't worth very much, because without all the other stuff, they're really not. Um, if you don't put enough time, well, you know, you might have the best idea in the world, but if you're working on it one hour a week, well, who cares that you have a great idea? Or if you don't know how to build the thing, uh, or you don't learn from feedback because surely your great idea is not going to be quite right just off the bat. You're going to have to learn to make that idea better. Um, so you better learn from feedback. You better be able to raise the capital that allows you to build the thing. It may be a little, maybe you only need a little, but maybe you need a lot. Um, you better pursue success relentlessly because you know your things are going to get bad at some point, and if you give up, well, your idea is not going to get made. You better know how to sell and market this, whether it's a nonprofit or for profit. Um, you better have leadership because you're going to need other people involved to help you implement. And there's also going to be just luck of the draw. I mean, it could be that bad luck kills your idea. It could be that good luck helps you succeed. So that's all I want to tell you about today. I just want to leave you with the, these four frameworks. And the next time that you're thinking about innovating, um, first, consider doing something that's impossible until now. Second, consider doing something that's undiscoverable to others. Third, thinking about doing something that's stupid sounding. And fourth, something that's tiny at first. Thank you.